Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we've got Mr. Danny Thompson stopping through. Now, we're going to talk about the AFC South because, you know, we got camps coming up next week. So, got to definitely throw some things out there to get everybody ready. But before we do that, of course, I have to thank you for listening to the Touring the AFC South podcast. And if you like what you hear, whether you listen on Spotify, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening, iHeartRadio, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're on Spotify, you can actually rate the episode. That's right below the picture of the show. So go ahead, you can do that. Or if you're on Apple Podcasts, there is a rate and review option as well. Now, of course, before we get to uh, uh, Danny and, and I's chat about the ASC South, we're going to talk about, of course, the Get It Off Your Chest segment. Of course, we have that coming up first. And this one ties directly to camps. Now, everyone is excited because football season is right around the corner. Your favorite player is going to touch the field. Your favorite team may have traded for somebody and he's putting on the uniform for the first time. And I know you're excited. But there are some players that will not be touching the field immediately because they're on the pup list. That is the list that people go on that have little nagging injuries or still trying to work back from an injury. One person that is doing that is in New Orleans. That would be Michael Thomas. Of course, he's they're trying to make sure he's right and ready to go, but I'm sure there's pretty much well, you know, some bigger names as well and some other names that are going to be on that list also that are trying to make sure they are ready for the season. And of course, there will be the overreactions. There will be the fan that is going up crying and saying, what is going on? What's going on? Why is he injured, man? He might be out for the year. I'm like, okay. That fan may not realize that that particular player is more than likely going to be ready for the season. Now, a little bit too early to kind of, you know, panic or hit the panic button per se, but give it a second. Let camp get started first. Let the season kind of, you know, get there first before you start hitting the panic button. Now, I understand if, say, misses, uh, your favorite player misses, you know, two, three, four games, hadn't really practiced, practiced or anything like that, then, of course, potentially the pup list could come into play. Uh, but, you know, a little too early for that one. Also, remember, that if a player is on the pup list during camp, 
That does not mean that they're going to miss game time at all. What it means is they can come off the list at any point in time before camp, before, during camp, I should say, is what that means. So no need to panic. No need to worry. Your favorite player will more than likely be out there. It's early, folks. Relax. That has been your Get It Off Your Chest segment for this episode. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, We'll have Danny Thompson on Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to? Well, let me tell you about Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching. They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And of course, sometimes you, you got to step outside of the division and you got to reach out to somebody you know. Not only somebody you know, that somebody that may have been the reason why this podcast even exists or one of the reasons, perhaps. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, the gentleman that actually is on with me uh, for this episode was one of the people that encouraged me to do a podcast. The other person... Hopefully he'll come on one day. But, you know, <clears throat> one of the people that actually encouraged me to actually do a podcast and uh, definitely wanted to say, of course, thank you, one. And secondly, wanted to introduce everybody to Danny Thompson. What's going on, Danny? First off, Mike, you know, it's always been this has all been you. I just I just knew the talent in you, you know, always encouraged you know, your skill set and your talent. And we all, and the people who've known you know what you can do. And this has really been you putting the work in. And if, you know, I know, I know the work you put in. So it's just <laughs> the fruit. It's been the fruit of your hard work. And I'm just here to encourage you and, and, and lead you in those directions. So this is all you. I appreciate the flowers though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's talk to we'll AFC South, man. Let's talk to AFC South. Oh, we will in one moment, but you know, of course, the first thing we have to talk about is the Black Sports Business Symposium. Now we are a month away from when it happened, but yes. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still riding high on it, and you know, the the thoughts uh, that I have on it, of course, are talking about uh, you know just the speakers, different speakers, the different events, uh, people talking about Eric Thomas having them ready to run through a wall. What was your favorite part of the symposium? I think is when you in a room with over two, not a room, in a stadium <laughs> with over two, over 20, 2,000 
2,200 different individuals who are like-minded <clears throat> that wanted to break in the sports industry um, in different parts of sports itself. And then you have, what, two, three, 400 people from different parts of sports, whether it be media, whether it be teams, whether it be organizations, whether it be agencies, marketing firms, anything involving sports in one area. And everybody has the same goal, which is to expand um, African-Americans in this in this, in this sector of, of, of sports was just a, it was awe-inspiring. You know, we talk, you know, you talk about Eric Thomas and Deion Sanders, uh, Jamel Hill, um, Renee Montgomery, you know, you see all the different speakers, Valerie Daniels Carter, this, the, um, Kevin, Kevin Warren for the big 10, all those different speakers. And then you had so many breakout sessions and you got a chance to interact with people that you never get a chance to see or interact with on a regular basis and meet and get connections that, you don't get on a daily basis. You can be on LinkedIn all day long. You can be on social media platforms. But when you sit down with people from ESPN, you sit down with people from Turner, you sit down with people from the NBA and the NFL and the NHL, that stuff doesn't happen every day. So I still kind of like shell shock because like we just got back from this and I got a chance to sit down with seven of my, now I call my brothers in this industry even more. So it was great experience. Yeah, definitely uh, can can remember a few different things that uh, definitely pop out. I mean, Aaliyah Boston oh, yeah. talking. Her composure. Um, yes, definitely her composure talking. And, and just, uh, you know, she was very, very intellectual. For those that don't know, I already knew that. But for those that don't know, she's very, very intellectual and, and knows exactly where she's going and what she's talking about. And and I, I see, foresee, foresee big things for her happening. And I think, of course, Jay Cargill, Jay Cargill, AEW um, mm -hmm. TBS champion. Um, she's the first black champion they had, a female champion they had. Also, she's a child psychologist on top of that and a personal trainer. She's a former college basketball player. But when they're in they're, the session she had with Dominique Wilkins uh, was about, you know, uh, teaching or learning with disabilities, you know, it, taking your platform to people who had certain hurt di certain differences and just hearing it from her, her perspective, it's way different than her body slamming people every single Wednesday night or Friday night <laughs> on, on Turner. She is literally one of the smartest people in intellectual minds and her husband, Brandon, uh, Brandon Phillips that played for the, the Reds and, and the, and the Red Sox, their dynamic as husband and wife is amazing. And, it was great because we had a 25-minute conversation between the three of us about children, sports, you know, music, just different things. And you don't get that every day. Right. You definitely don't. You definitely don't. But I will say one of my favorite speakers definitely had to be Deion Sanders. He he definitely did not spare any punches. He definitely thought he had it. He thought he had a son at the at the, at the conference too. <laughs> at one point. Yeah, Chauncey Deion Sanders. I'm pretty sure everybody at the conference knows who he was. Mm -hmm. But um, and, and, you know, definitely we'll be talking to him maybe at one point on the show potentially, but, um, <clears throat> it was, it was definitely a lot of energy, a lot of synergy and just a lot of fun with a lot of people connecting and bonding and, uh, just basically a lot of people helping each other, which is huge, huge, huge. But of course we talked about the black sports business symposium and we're still feeling it, but of course we got to fill the AFC South too in this show. And of course, one person that is new to the AFC South is from your Atlanta Falcons. That would be Matt Ryan. Now, how does it, how did the Falcons move forward without an iconic player in their organization? 
at some point it was going to happen. Um, I think, you know, Matt Ryan is, is when you, when you, when you pay players, you know, after the age of 31, 32 years old, you pay these guys, these extraordinary amounts of money and the, the play and the production doesn't equal the salary. And when it gets to be longer and longer, it, it's inevitable that, especially when the team isn't, you know, contending that it had to be a change. Um, a lot, Matt Ryan's going to get either you're going to love Matt Ryan or you're going to blame, you know, or Falcon fans just ready to get rid of Ryan years ago. But when you look at the numbers, Matt Ryan is probably the best, the greatest player in Falcons history. I mean, when it's all said and done, what Matt Ryan has done, um, you know, you say Deion Sanders, you can say other players, but between Matt Ryan and one Julio Jones, who it seems like the AFC South taking the Falcons two best players the last two years, <laughs> um, it's been it, that's what the Falcons have been, you know. When you look when it's all said and done, you, when Matt Ryan gets his bust in Canton because he's gonna go, it's gonna it should be him going as a Falcon. Um, it's gonna be difficult to see, but the one thing I do appreciate is the fact of where he's going. There's an offensive line to protect him. Atlanta didn't have one of those for years. And when you have guys like Quentin Nelson offensive line, you have a running game like Jonathan Taylor, Matt Ryan might get extended a couple of years. This is a Phillip Rivers experiment. I think this is way past Phillip Rivers. I think this is a really, really good move. Well, we should definitely see what happens uh, behind that offensive line. Of course, uh, not a ton to be, shall we say, elated about in Atlanta. But, of course, I have to ask, or is there anything that you're looking forward to in regards to this season coming up? I think for me on the offensive side of the ball is the fact that Atlanta has a basketball court, basketball team at wide receiver. They're in receiver and tight ends. There's nothing but tall guys everywhere. You know, Drake London, Brian Edwards. We all know Kyle Pitts. Um, Tate they got from, I think, the Bengals. They have height everywhere at wide receiver. Um, and Marcus Mariota, who came from the Tennessee Titans, see like it was an exchange here. <laughs> Mariota is going to have all. You, in some cases, all you got to do is throw jump balls. These are young guys with good, good leaping ability, and uh, I think that's one thing I'm excited for the offensive side of the ball. And on defense, Atlanta has some moves. You know, AJ Charles on one side, but Casey Hayward on the other side. They got in free agency. Um, I think both those two guys were both in the top five last year in yards per uh, separation. I think from on corners. Um, if Casey if Casey stays healthy with AJ Terrell, it will help the pass defense because when you have two corners who can cover, that allows your pass rush, which Atlanta doesn't have much of one, to actually become much more of a pass rush. So, you know, we don't have a very Atlanta doesn't have a very good front seven when it comes to rushing the passer, but if you have two good corners, you can somehow develop a pass rush because nobody's getting open. So those are two things I'm kind of excited to see where we're gonna go in Atlanta. But there's there's still so many more pieces that's got to be added and moved before this is considered a championship level team. So, all right. So you got a thousand pieces uh, to put together, and we've got about seven to start, basically. Well, I mean, we we we, we <laughs> so it's a puzzle. We got the left hand corner, we got the right hand corner. We're just missing the entire centerpiece. We're all right so far. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, I had to throw a little jab in there, just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> as long as they twenty to three jokes, we're all right. 
All right. Now, as far as the AFC South, we're going to get into that one. Of course, the first team we're going to talk about is the reigning champions of the division. That would be the Tennessee Titans. Now, they entered the playoffs, number one seed. Everyone thinking maybe they're going to make a run to the Super Bowl. You got Derrick Henry coming back off an injury. The defense is playing well. And then, boom, the thud turned around the world. You got three interceptions from Ryan Tannehill. You've got the Titans sacking Joe Burrow nine times and still losing the game at home from the home crowd. The home crowd silent. Buffalo, excuse me, Cincinnati Bengals fans elated all in the stadium. So first question, you got Derrick Henry. And I've seen, we'll give you a little context. I've seen Derrick Henry. I went out to uh, um, <clears throat> minicamp. And actually saw him. He looks to be well, looks to be running well, and he looks to be focused and determined to have a great season to prove those that are around him or that are that are looking at him and having doubts that he is a-okay. Now, for you, with a foot injury for a running back, and of course he's getting closer to 30. Do you have some concerns about him as a running back? I mean, you know, to me, I think when you're great and people doubt you, the fuel kind of gets you going towards being even greater. But, of course, there are some that, that think uh, he could be headed towards the, uh, the the McCaffrey way or some of the other injuries way. Mm -hmm. Do you, what, what are you thinking on that, especially with a foot injury? It's, foot injuries are scary no matter what sport it is, especially in a sport where your feet is probably one of the most, most important things to have, especially as a running back. Because there's the cutbacks, there's you know the acceleration, there's of course no breakaway from tackles. It allows you to have body movement and body placement. Um, I will say this about Derrick Henry: if there's any guy in the league that can go through injuries, it's a guy who's built like a Mack truck. Derrick Henry is built different. It's like Adrian Peterson, for example. Adrian Peterson, all these injuries, and guess what? Adrian Peterson is still one of the biggest and strongest running backs you'll ever find anywhere, and he was built for tough, even though with the injuries. I can't call him an injury risk until he gets injured again. Um, now, the one thing that scares me is that the Titans lost their two best, their two backup running backs last season. They lost Foreman and they lost Evans uh, in the offseason. So it's my bigger concern is with a seventeen games with a seventeen game season, it's the wear and tear on Derrick Henry. It's the wear and tear that's going. I worry about. Um, I, I think he's fine, but I don't want if I'm Tennessee. As much as it's going to pay me to say this, I don't want Derrick Henry at 370 carries this year. I need him more in December, January, and of course, you're hopefully you're playing in February than I need him in September, October. Because listen, the play, you need him in December in the playoffs. You need him healthy, and that wear and tear is going to be a, it's just the thing with Derrick Henry. So I think if anybody is four tough, he's going to go. He's going to survive through it. Well, speaking of four tough, uh, you know, definitely Julio Jones definitely was not four tough when he played for the Titans. Mm -hmm. uh, as you saw, he could play sometimes, and then other times he would be sitting out injured. Now, of course, it is what it is. He's no longer here. He's a free agent. Uh, he may be looking to play again. He may not <clears throat> be looking to play again. But the wide receiver depth took a hit along with him being gone. Of course, you have – A.J. Brown, who got traded, it seemed like out of the middle of nowhere for some. But, you know, of course, when you get the context of it, you kind of figure out 
hey, they weren't going to come to a deal at any time soon. So mm-hmm. the Titans had to do what they had to do, drafted Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, and they, they picked up Robert Woods. Now here's the issue. Nick uh, Westbrook-Akini is the most experienced wide receiver on the team. He's probably going to be a slot guy for them. Robert Woods coming back off an ACL injury. You've got Traylon Burks, who hasn't made it through a full practice yet because of uh, a little bit of asthma, a little bit of heat things down here as well. Now, to me, that spells concern right there, and especially when you got a quarterback that's coming off a game that was probably one of his uh, his or one of his worst games as a Tennessee Titan. I mean, does that spell concern for you if you're a coach or, uh, of this team? I mean, it is a concern, but you mentioned, you know, that the, the season did not end the way it wanted to. But when you brought in the offseason, you mentioned Robert Woods. Robert Woods was having a great, a really, really good season in L.A. with the Rams before he got hurt. And people wrote him off. You got to think they didn't even try to bring him back. They had Odell Beckham and they brought him to Tennessee. And then another guy I'm not sure you even mentioned yet before, they brought in Austin Hooper who really was disappointing in Cleveland after having some good years in Atlanta uh, being a pro bowler. I think those two guys are going to help key this offense. I know you said mentioned Burks hasn't really been through practice. Hopefully that the time off between mini camp and training camp will allow him to get used to the Tennessee heat, which I think is different than Arkansas of all places. But I think you have two guys who are looking to prove themselves and there's nothing better than a quarterback trying to prove himself a star a receiver who thinks who deserves to be a number one option who, who played like a number one and then you had a tight end who was literally a top five tight end three or four years ago all looking to prove something so i think if they can get through injuries the receiving court to me is not as big of a question mark as it was before because now everybody knew aj brown was going to get the ball now in tennessee you don't know who's going to get the ball and sometimes when you don't know what's a game plan, it's actually more to your advantage than more of a disadvantage. Oh, good point. Good point. Uh, definitely another guy I got to throw in there is Chig Okwanku, the rookie out of Maryland. Got to see him in practice. He is an impressive physical specimen, and he reminds a lot of people around here of John Smith. So just to keep that in mind for those, he, he probably, to me, I think he'll be on the field somewhere at some point in time. Um, Tennessee likes two tight ends. <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. And the only one they kept from last year was Jeff Swain. So that they keep that in mind. Their, their, their tight end group was probably one of the worst tight end groups they have had here in a long time last year. So, mm-hmm. of course, we did talk about Tannehill. Now, he had a rough uh, last game. And uh, as I've mentioned on uh, previous shows, he did therapy this offseason because he, he couldn't let go of the loss. And the loss was, you know, affecting him. So it, it feels like when you see him now, he's a little bit more fresh, a little bit more renewed, and a little bit more ready to go. And <clears throat> also, if you look at him as well, you look at him out there teaching and coaching and, you know, not just with uh, other wide receivers or, or tight end, but he's getting extra time in with them and, of course, the other quarterbacks and things like that. You're looking, looking like a leader of a team. Now, of course, the Titans really couldn't get rid of him this offseason because of the money he was owed, which a lot of people don't understand. If that, that dead cap hit would have been one of the worst, it would have been the worst in the league. The worst. So mm-hmm. couldn't let him go. So you have him here. You have Malik Willis there. I don't think Malik Willis starts this year, so I'm going to go ahead and tell people that now. But 
with Ryan Tannehill. This is by far his worst year as a Tennessee Titan last year. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has it within him to bounce back with this team? Yes. He was a pro two years ago. This is not, you know, Ryan, Ryan found his home. You know, he bounced around, you know, Miami got rid of him. Tennessee gave him an opportunity. He has best year in Tennessee. You know, everybody has down years, but I think Ryan has had the fortitude. We've watched him bounce back before. We've watched him in Miami get bounced around to what happened. He resurrected his career in Tennessee. I think this is a bounce back year. Like I said, you know, you have a lot to prove. Derrick Henry has to prove that he's healthy. You got Robert Woods has got to prove that he is a is a number one type of wide receiver. Austin Hooper's got to prove that he's a good tight end. The offensive the offensive unit in general has to prove that that game against Cincinnati was a complete fluke. It was just one of those one off bad days, because you mentioned in the pre in the prologue in the prelog that the Titans defense literally should have won that game. You sack a quarterback what eight nine times in the game in a playoff game at home, you're supposed to win that game. It shouldn't have been close. So I think they have so much to prove on the offensive side of the ball. I think that I don't know if they're going to be back to where it was two years ago when they had top five offense in the NFL because of the balance. But I think Tennessee surprisingly might be a top 12 offense by the time it's all said and done because they're hard to game plan right now. And that makes them even dangerous because if Burks looks like he did at Arkansas, that's the threat that Julio Jones was supposed to bring them last year. So I think they have a chance to do something different this year. And as I look at it, they might be more dangerous than what we than people are letting on right now. Hmm. Good point. Good point. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, in the uh, tour in the AFC South inbox, of course, Herm P said, please don't bring up all those sacks and we lost. <laughs> Listen, it, it, you know, those games happen. Um, but that just proves how good Tennessee's defense is. Tennessee has a really, really good defense. Um, and – it just takes it just takes the right number of plays. I think Tennessee will be right back to where they were last year. Yeah, yeah, there you have it. Now, of course, we do have to talk about a few other teams in the division, and that would be the Indianapolis Colts up next. Of course, they are on their fifth quarterback in five years. Of course, that would be Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett. You've got uh, Philip Rivers. You got Carson Wentz, and now you've got Mister Matt Ryan. So, with all these quarterback changing. Do you think, uh, I mean, Matt Ryan, with this offense, do you think he elevates this offense to another level? What Matt Ryan brings to Indianapolis is a quarterback who's extremely accurate, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, um, and picks up offense and defense. He picks up offensive schemes very easily, but he also can pick apart defenses very easily. The only thing that you're going to struggle with with Matt Ryan is the arm strength is not there. The good news is there's no Tyreek Hill type of wide receiver still sitting in the, in the Colts receiving core. Um, their number one receiver is Michael Pittman, who's more of a more physical Mike Evans type of wide receiver, you know, that can still get separation, but he's no morally for, you know, for being physical. Um, what we're going to get from Matt Ryan is that if it gets to a play action situation, because you have Jonathan Taylor and you're going to stack the box, Matt Ryan is going to obliterate defenses with play action. Um, he might complete anywhere from 65 to 70% of his passes on play action one, because unlike Atlanta, he's going to have time to throw the football. He's going to have the ability to, to make plays with his arm because there's, he's not going to be on his back in three seconds. Um, and two, what you're also going to see is I think you're going to see a lot more of Jonathan Taylor catching the ball 
I think I think Hines is still back there at running at running back as well too. I think yes. Hines goes back. I think Hines goes back to the numbers he had uh, two years ago. I think with Rivers and even going back to the Jacoby reset. I think Hines might even catch seventy five to eighty passes because of the fact of if Ryan can't get the ball down the field, there's nothing better than having a running back who can check down and catch the, the catch the football. A la if you go back to Atlanta, um, the pre Super Bowl years, you had guys like Tevin Coleman. I think they can use him in a Tevin Coleman type of role where he's going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. So, well, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't say as many as seventy or eighty, but I, I, I could definitely see him maybe pitching about forty or fifty for sure. Because I, I think Jonathan Taylor, the underrated part of his game, is catching the football as well, and I think he'll get more opportunities to do that in this one because, uh, of course, Carson Wentz never really threw the running backs. As uh, Mister uh, Chris Lewis the second always points out to me, uh, he of the Drop Balls podcast, which. Hey, I need you to come back on the air, sir. We need you, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I forgot they got Phil Lindsay as well, too. Yeah, they do. They do. They got they got a nice little set back there. They do. And goes Phil Lindsay. If he's your number one running back, I, I no, 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 no. He can't take. He's, good. he's good as number two, though. He's good as a number two, a one B to Jonathan Taylor's one A. Mm, I give I give Hans that one. I, I I don't know if I could I can give it to him, but hey, I see where you're going. I see where you're going, especially from the Denver days. Um, but also, you spoke about it, and we can we not we didn't really dive into it very much. But of course, you've got Michael Pittman Jr., the number one wide receiver for them. But after him, you've got Paris Campbell, who can't stay healthy. You got Alec Pierce, who is a rookie wide receiver, and you really don't have anybody else. You have rumors of Julio reuniting with Matt Ryan, which I don't think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton is still out there, but, of course, nobody's really clamoring for him right now. So it's almost like this is what you have. So to me, I don't think – I think their wide receiver depth is going to come back to haunt them at some point in time. I mean, am I crazy to think that that could potentially happen? It, it, you're not crazy that it happens, but always when you know – when there's always uncertainty at wide receivers, somebody will always step to the plate. You know, if you go back to Atlanta – and Matt Ryan in that offense made Russell Gage what he is now. Russell Gage couldn't find any; he couldn't find a home in the NFL. And then the last two years, he was a number two, number three wide receiver with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Then turned into a number two when when Jones was gone. And then when Ridley left the team last year, Russell Gage became a number one wide receiver. So guys like you know Desmond Pat, you mentioned before Kiki Couture that played in Houston, somebody is going to step into that number two role, and they're going to be able to eat because. I think they still got Jack Doyle at tight end. You still have Mo Alley Cox at tight end. So they have, you know, two tight ends. You have Pittman, and a, a third, a second receiver will emerge. And that's why I said that's why I mentioned I think Hines will catch a lot of passes because of the fact of they're going to put Hines in catching and pass catching situations where he's going to be able to get in the space and catch passes until you develop somebody at the number two spot. But I think eventually by midseason we'll have a number two guy. Um, I don't. I think Paris Campbell has a really good shot being the number two guy. Like you mentioned, for as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a fast guy, but he just he's he's fast to the cold tub too. Definitely, which is not good. But of course, you got to remember uh, one guy, tight end rookie Jelani Woods, another rookie tight end that could potentially make a splash in the AFC South. He's a big man. He's about six seven. He is a former high school quarterback that switched to tight end while he was mimicking a tight end. At Oklahoma State, that's how he became a tight end. They thought he was so good doing it, they switched him to it. So, 
Yes, and then he went from, of course, Oklahoma State to Virginia, and then he showed out at Virginia, and now he's in Indianapolis. But <laughs> uh, all right, now, of course, last but certainly not least, we do have to talk about Stephon Gilmore. Now, Stephon Gilmore, he was a all-world corner when he was with Buffalo, all-world corner when he was with the Patriots, goes to Carolina. Well, the ending doesn't end very well in New England. He goes to Carolina. He's kind of a little quieter. He shows glimpses of things. Then he signs with the Colts. To me, I'm wondering, are they going to get that same guy, or is he that, or is he just injured at this point? To me, I'm not sure what guy they're getting. So, you know, it's definitely a risk, uh, risk reward type of situation, in my opinion. Do I think he pans out potentially? Yes. Do I think he's going to make some plays? Yes. But do, can he do it consistently, one? And secondly, can he be on the field? Uh, I mean, what do you think about just the addition of Stephon Gilmore to that defense? I think the addition of Stephon Gilmore, we just look at what he did with Carolina's defense last year. You know, we, you know we're talking about when he's on the field. He's still an elite cornerback when he's on the field. Um, I mean, he, he I think he was a Pro Bowl last year in Carolina. He got there in well, October. So – I think he'll be really good with the Colts secondary. Now, one thing we have to see is I think, honestly, that Stephon Gilmore will be will be on the Kawhi Litter treatment. He's gonna he's not going <laughs> to play every play. I think, to be honest, I think Stephon Gilmore plays about 30 or 35 plays a game, um, snaps a game, because of the fact that you need to keep him fresh all year until he proves that he can, he's going to be able to play, you know, a full 75, 80 plays a game. You use him in passing situations. You use him on first down. You know, you might rest him a series or two. And Indianapolis has a really good corner on the other side, and Kenny Moore, Kenny Moore the second. So they have two good corners. They have another, they have a corner on the other side, and Moore did it last year with nobody on that side anyway. So I think you you put Gilmore in a pitch count until he shows you that he can stay healthy and that he can have that same impact for a full sixty minutes. But I'm not too concerned because listen, the Colts front seven is still good. I mean, you still have Darius Leonard controlling the defense from the linebacker spot. You have good pass rusher. You have good pass rushers. So I think is as long as Gilmore plays 30 to 35 snaps, I think he lasts the full. For those that have checked out my picture, my new picture for my you know graphics for my podcast, you can tell I have a new image, an updated image, a professional looking image. It's time for you to take control of your image and you can take control of your professional image with a fresh set of headshots by the good folks of Joshua Silver's photography. Let Josh at Joshua Silver's photography handle your personal branding, business headshots, portrait or any other photographic need with great pricing and even better quality. You can reach him via phone at 423-557-6746. Once again, that's 423 423- Five five seven six seven four six. You can also reach him at Instagram at Joshua Silver's Photography, or you can reach him on Facebook. Call Joshua Silver's Photography and get yourself booked today. I know I did, and he's got me looking great. Season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how many snaps he gets this this year. I mean. I think it'd probably get about 45 to 50, perhaps. But, you know, hey, I, I would say you, you definitely aren't wrong about potentially the Kawhi treatment for him because, you know, you got to have him at the end of the season. You got to. Um, 
And uh, as far as the next team, of course, of course, we're going to talk about the top. We talked about the top two teams in the division. Now we got to talk about the bottom two teams in the division. Of course, the bottom team in the division was the Jacksonville Jaguars last season. Of course, they had the Urban Meyer experience, and I'm not talking about in a good way. Definitely kept them in the news for all the wrong reasons. But, hey, we're going to get out of the bar. <laughs> no. But uh, – <laughs> we're gonna get out of the bar and we're gonna go to the uh, the actual field and you know bring on the uh, new head coach, which is Doug Peterson. Now Doug Peterson, when he was last seen, of course he was getting uh, fired by the Philadelphia Eagles, but also he brought them a Super Bowl championship. He brings a lot of credibility to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and of course uh, he's going to be there to work with Trevor Lawrence. Now with him coming in there and the 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 the, the, the basically the companionship there or, or the coaching companionship, I'll, I'll use that one, coaching companionship that he had with Carson Wentz, making him an MVP-type quarterback. Now, Trevor Lawrence definitely has skills, and he has skills, I think, honestly, I think his skills could be potentially better than Carson Wentz's work. So, it, but it is Jacksonville. We can't forget, we can't forget that. So, do you think his skills can kind of – Get a little better under Carson. Under Carson Wentz, goodness gracious, under uh, Peterson in Jacksonville. I think so. I think Trevor Lawrence still has super. He has superstars still written all over him. I think last year was just a terrible experiment um, under Urban Meyer. There wasn't much that you know Trevor, Trevor could really do. I think the season was snake bitten the second Travis Etienne got hurt, and it kind of the, the season torpedoed his way down offensively. You bring an offensive mind like Peterson. Who, like you mentioned before, he's tutored quarterbacks plenty of time. He, to, he's done a master of a job with quarterbacks. I mean, you mentioned Carson Wentz, but remember, he got Nick Foles paid like like twice. You know, Nick Foles comes in and you know he got money like multiple times under Doug Peterson. So, I think what he's going to do is, on top of listen, give Shaq Khan a lot of credit. Shaq Khan opened up the checkbook in the offseason, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he's besides getting Christian Kirk and paying him extreme amounts of money. They went and re- they went and took care of the left side of the offensive line. Resigned Cam Robinson, but also got Brandon Sheriff from Washington. So you put you you now protecting your quarterback. You're you're giving him some kind of protection. NTN comes back, and the good thing is, and now you you have him coming off injury, and you have James Robinson coming off injury. The good news with that is that they can split carries as they get themselves readjusted to the field because it brings two different dynamics. Now, as long as Pierce can get the ball down the field and get guys open and make routes that these guys get open, I think Trevor Lawrence has a completely, I don't want to say a comeback player of the year, but I think we might be, I think we can see 22 to 25 touchdown passes from Trevor Lawrence this year easily. Hmm. Okay. All right. And then, of course, another guy that's going to be uh, sprinting down the field for them is Zay Jones, who they got from the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, of course, you did mention the offensive line. Of course, you know, Sheriff, they did pay Cam Robinson, which honestly I was shocked they paid Cam Robinson because they franchise tagged him a couple times inside. Oh, we're going to drop some money on you. But there was a lot of concerns about him as well. And, of course, uh, to me, um, you know, that offensive line, even though they did try to make some 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 strides there, they did draft the center as well that I think will probably start as, as a rookie. But – do you believe that offensive line can make that type of leap to where they can be better than, you know, be, you know, average to maybe slightly above average? I think so. I think when you also have playmakers that can make plays, 
that, you know, sometimes you don't have to have ten, five, six seconds in the pocket. You know, you mentioned Zay Jones' speed. Christian Kirk, you know, is going into his own. Um, they still have – Marvin Jones. A, a, they still have Jones. So they have guys that can actually run quick routes. I think if, if Peterson creates plays for Lawrence to get rid of that football quickly, you don't need to have a long – you don't have a long offensive um, time to throw the football. Uh, I think the one thing that will is, will happen in Jacksonville this year is I think it'll be shorter plays. I think the playbook will be expanded as the season goes along. But if I'm if I'm going to look at it from a fantasy football perspective, I think Marvin Jones might catch 100 passes this year. But it'll be a lot of the shorter passes to let Jones get into space. And then you guys say Jones going over the top. So I think the offense line will be fine. Um, to quote the to quote one of my favorite movies, Sing. Buster Moon, there was a scene where Buster Moon, the koala, is saying, when you're on the bottom, there's only one thing to do, and that's go up. The Jags offense line wasn't good. So when you add pieces, the only thing you do is you're going to get better. So I think they could be a, a, a upper a upper 20s, upper maybe the mid, mid-level offensive line this year. We shall definitely see. Now, of course, uh, Mr. Scott Wallace, uh, Mr. HBCU, who is the SID over at Fisk University, has stepped into the Tour and the AFC South inbox. Of course, he said Mr. ETN is going to be a problem for uh, for the Jags, which – and then, of course, Chenault, too, which is the, the other wide receiver that nobody thought about which or talked about. But, you know, honestly, I, I kind of think that Chenault could potentially be a trade target at, at midway through the season. That's just my thinking, and I could be wrong. But, maybe you know, that's maybe they can use a Chenault the same way Atlanta might use Cordell Patterson. You know, you mm-hmm. put him in the backfield sometimes because he has the size. He, you know, I think he played the backfield a little bit last year anyway. You can get him out in the space, find different ways to use him and Etienne on you know on these types of routes. Because Etienne, if you like to Scott's point, if his foot is healthy, he's going to be. I think he's one of the five fastest players in the, in, in the AFC South to speed alone in the open field. Etienne is that fast. I mean, we all watched that Clemson. It's just that when you come back from a foot injury, how much that speed is still going to be there in the beginning? Because that's explosion that he needs. And when you, I think he had a little Frank injury. If you have one of those injuries, it might take a little bit to find that explosion again. It either take a little bit or it might not come back. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But uh, of course, uh, Cortland uh, in the tour in the AFC South inbox, Cortland Griffin. Of course, remember Peyton Manning had a bad rookie year in a rough sophomore campaign. Sunshine will be fine. Sunshine, of course, is uh is 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 Trevor Lawrence, of course. Mm-hmm. Which you know, of course, that's a that's a that's a that's a movie reference for those that don't don't catch it. I'll let y'all figure it out. Okay, oh, all right, all right. Well, there it goes. But anyway, um, of course, you know we do have they do have Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick. Now, I did talk to John Reed, who uh, covers the team, recovered the team. And he can see him getting roughly about 10 sacks. He's looking at him. He's 6'5". He's 270. He moves like a safety, but is as big as a defensive end. And he's going to get more playing time this year because he's he's not in a, a rotation like he was in Georgia. So, you know, with that size, type of size and speed running around, you've got Josh Allen. Yes, there is another Josh Allen in the NFL, and he plays defense. And he's and he made the pro one for the other Josh Allen. Yeah, there you go. And he's a black man, not not a white guy. There's there's a, there's a very a, there's big a black, black guy. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Very so, uh, <laughs> so with those two on the tandem there, I mean, do you think potentially Jacksonville has found their one-two punch that they've been missing for quite some time? Listen, 
you know, one of the things if I was if I could take over as Jacksonville the court defensive coordinator, third downs would, would be I would have Walker and Allen blitzing from the same side of the field because Walker can be a three he, he can be a, a a defensive end and you have Allen who's been playing linebacker you have both those guys rushing the pass from the left side that means the right whoever's coming from the right side or coming as a linebacker blitz is going to have a free way because there's no way you're going to be able to double team a single team um Josh Allen or deal with a running back or chip and the same thing with Trevor Walker so yeah I think they have a very good start at one two I think Floyd Coyier from the Falcons at linebacker is going to help as well, too, especially with his ability to cover the pass. So I think you might have, Mike, I'm going to say bold prediction, barring injury, I think both guys get double-digit sacks this year. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, Saxonville might be be back this year. Now, the question is, can they actually win some games and be Saxonville? That's a whole other discussion for another day. But Mm – of course, we do have to talk last, last but certainly not least, the Houston Texans. Now, of course, we uh, we've got Lovey Smith taking over the team. Like, even though I, I just uh, the way David Culley was done down there just is so frustrating to, to just it, it, it's frustrating to think about. It just is. Ugh. It's, it's uh, but on the positive note, it went from one black head coach to another one. So at least at least mm-hmm. we have. At least it wasn't Cliff Kingsbury. So at least we don't have that situation. Oh, oh boy. I still can't believe that guy got an extension. But that's just me. Uh, But, of course, you know, looking at the Houston Texans, Mm -hmm. do they even – I mean, I'm just trying to think in my mind, is enough there for them to win five games this year, in your opinion? I mean, they've got Davis Mills, who's a a second-year quarterback who is – apparently walking around with a little bit more swag around the team because he knows he's the number one quarterback. They got former Indianapolis Colts running back Marlon Mack. They got Brandon Cooks, who I will say again, is the best wide receiver in the AFC South right now. I'm going to say it again and again, and people will continue to tell me I'm crazy, but he's the best wide receiver in the AFC South. Um, You've got defensively, you've got Derek Stingley Jr. Um, you know, you lost Reed, uh, Jordan Reed, to the Chiefs. I mean, you don't really have a ton of name brand guys, but tub, but but Love, Lovey Smith, he definitely makes his team fight, and he, he instills that fight in his teams, dude. But can you do you think he instills enough fight in this team as they're constructed to win five games this year? So you're asking me, are they one win better than last year is what you're asking me? Yes. I don't think so. I think Jacksonville's <laughs> better. I think Jacksonville's better. So the window of opportunity, because you know, last year it was two really, really good teams. Yeah, so you had the elite team in Tennessee. Indianapolis was right there. I mean, if it wasn't have been for Carson Wentz's horrible last game of the season, you would have had two or ten plus one teams in the playoffs. <laughs> And then Jacksonville and and Houston were just completely like dumpster fire juice. I think Jacksonville is better than what they were last year. So I think the likelihood of of, of Houston hitting five wins, I don't see it. Um, I really think they might take a step back. I think they might go three and 14. Um, But I think there won't be as many blowouts. I think Houston's much more competitive. They won't not win as many games, but they'll be much more competitive. Until you can get a, a situation at quarterback that's going to be really relevant, um, Davis Mills can walk in with as much swag as you want to. So did Johnny Manziel. We saw how this turned out. 
I'm not saying that he's Johnny Manziel, but we talk about the swagger situation. Davis Mills doesn't really have much of an offensive line. Uh, the running game is probably arguably the worst in the NFL. Just the, the group of running backs in that room is probably one of the worst. And you mentioned Brandon Cooks is the best receiver in the in the division. Here's the problem. Brandon Cooks has got to stay on the field. Brandon, you talk about injury problem. Brandon Cooks gets beat up a lot. So and Davis Miller has to give him the football. So you can't be the best receiver in the division if you can't get the football. So um now one thing is I love the Jerry uh the Jerry Hughes signing on defense. You mentioned Stingley on defense, Desmond King they brought back. This team's a three-win team. I, I they should have went quarterback. They should have found some kind of way to get a, a fresh start at quarterback. But the good news for Texas fans is there's plenty of quarterbacks in the 2023 draft class. They're just going to wrap this one out. Uh, I think 3-14 and 14 might be even the ceiling of the team, to be honest with you. Well, they believe in Davis Mills from the word of around town. But, you know, we'll see how that turns out for them. Now, I, believe course, I, like I believe I believe I, would, I can win mega millions every time I play it, too. So, so we have that we have that in common. <laughs> now, uh, definitely got to go back to the tour in the AFC South inbox. I got TJ Beatty, my boy. The Texans might hire, might as well hire Jim Marshall from UT Martin. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, TJ, good one, man. Beatty, man, that was a good one. Now, of course. Uh, we did kind of go through their team, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time more talking on the Texans. I, I, it's going to be an interesting season for them. Of course, you know, they're still trying to figure out who runs the football. Marlon Mack is coming back from uh, an injury himself, trying to run the football for them, and of course, David Johnson, I don't think is there. You know, here today, going tomorrow, so you know, it's a lot going on, a lot to figure out in Houston, and we're going to leave it at that. Now, they'll, they'll course, be called. Never call Aaron Foster by the end of September. Oh, man, they made me call on his son. But uh, let's see, as far as uh, <laughs> as far as everything else, let's see, we got uh, we went through it all of the AFC South, kind of gave you a few things to look forward to or look to with these teams going into the season and starting uh, the, the camps as well. Um, but, of course, you know, it wouldn't be a show without playing a game. Of course, I got five questions for you. I got two answers on each one. You got to pick one. Are you ready? All right, let's go. All right, Panthers or Saints? Death. <laughs> <laughs> Which one you take? You gotta take one. I guess I'll take the kitties. Oh man! I'll take the for, those that, for those that don't know, Danny is a Atlanta Falcons fan that grew up in where? Danny, where did you grow up? In Charlotte. The in Charlotte. There we go. It, it it it's it's astonishing every time I hear it. But uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go to basketball. We're gonna go AI or Steph Curry. I'm gonna say thank you to all the people that have been having these having these debates, and uh, of course uh, to Ashley Baker and uh, the Twitter Space of Sports After Dark. Of course, that's Curry. That's not even close. All right, that's that's been the, the prevailing answer. Yeah. Um, Culture wise, Iverson, but just yeah. on the court, Curry. Right, right. Now, Roddy White or Terrence Mathis, which one are you taking as a Falcons fan? Roddy White. Roddy, Roddy White? Yeah, Roddy, Roddy is a monster. Roddy is a monster. All right. Now we got the debate or the talk that everyone wants to say and wants to talk about. The running back position. Well, everyone 
talks about other divisions, all those different things, whatever. But people have failed to realize that the top two running backs in the NFL are in the AFC South, which is Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor. So which one are you taking? <laughs> Man, if, I, if Derek, Derek Henry saw me in the face, he'd probably, he'd probably run me over, but I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Um, until I can see that foot from Derrick Henry, I need from as I can see Derrick Henry's foot and how he's performing. I'm taking the guy who's healthier, so I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. I'm gonna tell Derrick too. No, I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. Listen, <laughs> listen next time you talk to him, ask him about ask him how his FIFA game is because last time he, he still never he still never picked up those sticks and we we never got a chance to play FIFA. So tell me, he better, he better work on his FIFA game more than his, uh, his footwork. <laughs> All right. And last one, of course, you know, we've got uh Falcons greats at quarterback, Michael Vick or Matt Ryan. Why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> we're talking about the guy who literally put the Falcons back on the map and the guy who is literally the greatest quarterback in Falcon history. Excitement or longevity is what you're asking me here. Hey, you want to live in the fast lane or you want to ride in the Grand Marquis? Which one do you want to do? <laughs> and Michael Vick was different. Like Michael Vick was different. He was a human cheat code. Ryan is Ryan's my favorite. Ryan's the best player, but Vick is my favorite. Vick is one of my favorites, so I'm going to take Vick. And besides, I live in Newport News now, so if I said anything otherwise, the Vick family might find me up here or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny michael vick's high school is down where him and his brother went to school is down the street so wow all right there we go and that is the end of the game for this episode and that is the end of this episode now danny thank you for stepping on in the show tonight and talking about this afc south kind of getting folks a little prepared giving them a little bit of the storylines heading into this season that starts next week with training camp now danny can you let the good people know where they can find you on social media and on the airways, folks? Yes, Danny is on the airways. Can you please let them know? Well, follow me on Twitter at Danny, which you see on the screen, D A N N Y, number three times on Twitter. Um, that's my handle on Twitter. My written works at threepointconversion.com. But my radio show is Sports Insight 757, Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Sports Radio 850 96.5 FM in the Norfolk 757, Hampton Roads area, Virginia. If you want to watch this, see, see my beautiful face on television or your, or your, your streaming apps, please go to. Uh, uh, Sports Insight 757 page or go to Sports Radio 96.5. You'll see the live stream every Saturday. Or if you want to listen to it on your mobile device, go to the Apple Play Store or the Google Play Store. Uh, Apple, I'm sorry, Apple iTunes Store and the Google Play Store and download the Sports Radio 850 app. Just type in Sports Radio 850. You'll see 850 moniker on there. And that's where you can follow me. Like I said, I'm not a hard person to find. I'm always in somebody's chat somewhere anyway. So, All right. Well, there you have it. And there you have this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.